0: Listener production. Hey, Sasha barber with you for today's extra episode of The Briefing. Australia is currently experiencing an eighth wave of COVID, but you'd be forgiven for not knowing or caring about it. Most of us have long moved on from the days of staying home, masking up and frantically checking case numbers, especially those of us who are young and healthy. Epidemiologists say this latest wave is less severe than ones we've seen previously. And even with a 23.6% spike in cases during the last reporting period, numbers are significantly lower than last year's, although part of that could be put down to less people testing. While the elderly and immunocompromised are being advised to mask up and ensure they're up to date with the vaccine, the rest of us are being told we shouldn't be too concerned but to stay home if we're sick and consider chucking on a mask in busy places and on public transport. Not many are heeding that advice. But did you know there are still young, healthy people in Australia who are choosing to live COVID cautiously? Many of them are skipping out on events, wearing masks everywhere, and rolling up their sleeves to get vaccinated with each new booster. And as a result of finding themselves in conflict with their friends and family, who don't understand why they're choosing to live like it's 2020. Today, we're speaking with Jonathan Papadopoulos, a 30-year-old man who is still choosing to live COVID cautiously to find out why. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on The Briefing. Now, you're a man in your 30s, you're a vegan, early 30s, I should say. You're a vegan, you work in a corporate job in Canberra, you're married. It's all pretty stock standard stuff. An outsider would probably look at you and say you're a healthy young person who has no need to feel in fear of COVID. First off, I want to get an idea of what sort of measures you're still taking to protect yourself from infection.
1: Hey, thanks, Sasha, for having me. Look, I take a number of mitigation strategies. I think the main one and probably the most visible one that I take is wearing a mask in all indoor settings outside of my home. So that's a high-quality N95 mask that's in the workplace, in the gym, when I go shopping, when I go visit family and friends. I also try to take other precautions like trying to find ventilated spaces. If I'd like to be unmasked, and meet with people outdoors. If I'm sick, I stay home. If I'm around sick people, I try to not be around them. And, you know, getting tested regularly if I'm concerned.
0: Have you had COVID yet? And what is it that makes you fearful of getting it?
1: No. So I haven't had COVID yet. I'm called what we call ourselves in the communities a novid. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to say I'm actually not fearful of COVID. I am aware of the scientific research behind the impacts of COVID. As a young person who have also had six vaccinations, I'm really aware that if I get a COVID infection, it's unlikely to kill me. What I think about is the risks of long COVID to our long-term health. My husband also has a number of chronic health conditions, so any and we know that those conditions can be exacerbated by a COVID infection. So I have to take these precautions to make sure that I'm not catching COVID and bringing it home and infecting them.
0: I understand uh, you're part of some online groups that share the same beliefs or practices that you do. Can you tell me roughly how many members are particip- actively participating in these groups and are they similar to you? Are they young and healthy and working?
1: Look, that's a good question. So look, I'm I'm part of one Facebook group that has a 1,000 people across Australia and New Zealand. I'm also part of a subreddit with about 400,000 people around the world. Um, I think you'll find that there's real diversity. So there are younger people, there are older people. There are obviously a lot of people who live with a disability or chronic illness who really hold that additional burden of having to protect themselves from COVID especially when they're in um, around other people that don't take these kinds of precautions who feel that if they had a COVID infection it may not be a big deal for them there's a couple of other groups there are some Facebook groups that are really geared towards the style aspect of how to wear a mask and how to tie in your mask with your overall outfit (laughs) I'm um, not that stylish so not really in those groups.
0: Interestingly, you made the point about long COVID. Now, I was having a look around some articles today. There was one that talked about how they think as many as one in seven Americans have long COVID. I did read in Australia an epidemiologist saying they think about 3 to 10% of cases of COVID in Australia, whether mild or severe, result in long-term health impacts. And while the science long-term for long COVID isn't known, you know 3 to 10% it's a pretty low mm. risk of developing long covid do you think that your response in being so careful is justified given the risks are still pretty low
1: i think that there are some unknowns we do not have 10 years worth of data in this area because covid is still only 3 to 4 years in the tra- uh, down the track we don't know what happens if you have multiple infections over a long period of time there are so many unknowns However, there is research that does indicate the risks of long COVID. I speak to people and have spoken to people in their 30s who have had a single infection and cannot get out of bed six months after the fact. So if I'm weighing it up between the uncertainty of what could happen in the future versus what I think could happen now, to me, it's a really, you know, wearing a mask, avoiding um, situations that are poorly ventilated to me that's a that's a low kind of cost to protect my future health and as as the research is updated and we see changes i will always kind of change my mitigation strategies based off what i think is the current advice and evidence
0: yeah that's fair have you noticed that you living still COVID cautiously has had an impact on any of your relationships, be it family or friends?
1: Look, that's a really good question. I think having spoken to a lot of other people that still live COVID cautiously, like myself, the hardest part about it is other people's attitudes. I think it's entirely reasonable to say, I do not want to catch a virus that I know is airborne and that we know may have potential health impacts. And the things that I would like to do is not inside. Not eat inside a restaurant, eat outside. Or if I have to be inside, I will wear a mask. I'm not asking other people to wear a mask. It's just the thing that I do. It's quite interesting, the kind of um, responses we get from people in the public. Certainly at the beginning, when mask mandates were removed, we used to get that odd look. People would be looking at us like, do we have to do that anymore? Did I forget? And now that we're well past the mandates, you get the occasional dirty look. We definitely get some older white men in particular walk past us and do a big fake cough in front of us. Mm. Um, Really funnily, we were in an IGA the other day and a person saw our masks and had an immediate kind of visceral reaction that they could not get away from us fast enough, but they were in a store with other people coughing and sneezing who weren't wearing a mask. Mm. So to me, it seemed a little bit odd. I think it's the fact that masks are white as well. People say that as kind of surgical and it's medicinal and they get that big concern. The reality is, if I was sick and I was wearing a mask, I would be reducing the risk of transmitting it to other people.
0: Mm. Talk to me a bit more about, you know, the personal impacts. I mean, Mm. how does that feel you know i'm sure that you've come into contact with people who you know and love who maybe haven't <laughs> purposely coughed on you mm. but might have said what are you doing you know mm. how do you find dealing with those interactions with i said like i said people you know and love
1: mm. look in the end i feel that what i'm doing protects my health protects the health of my husband and also protects the health of other people we also have vulnerable members in our family. We've got some older people. We have some people that are undertaking, have undertaken radiation recently, and we know that they have compromised immune systems. The fact that other people find my decision uh, hard to understand or difficult doesn't impact me. That's their opinion. I'm quite comfortable making my own decisions and doing what works for me.
0: It's beauty of being an adult, isn't it? Um, look before I, before I let you go, do you think you'll ever go back to living how you did before the pandemic? Is there an end site? Is there, mm. a, is there something you want to see happen sure. before you take the mask off, before you start relaxing mm. some of those other
1: restrictions you've put on? That's a really good question. I'll give you one quick answer. We are still in the pandemic, so we're not living in a time before the pandemic. I think that with better vaccinations, with better public health advice around what clean air means and having ventilated spaces, I think that there will be a change. It is certainly a challenging, and and many of us who are in this community who are still looking after our health are tired. We don't like to have to live this way. Part of it is that we feel that we have to keep ourselves safe because we see people around us not taking those mitigation strategies. There will definitely be a way out of this. I'm hoping it goes the way of better vaccinations, better public health campaigning, more access to ventilated spaces that people start to feel safer and recognise the difference. If, however, COVID continues to run rampant in the community, we get more people getting sick and more people getting further infections, more other illnesses occurring as people's immune systems are damaged by COVID, I think there will be a catalyst in which public health will have to change and address the um, reality of the situation.
0: Do you wish that people were still masking up inside on public transport, not meeting indoors as much as possible? Is that something that you wish to see or is it purely personal for you where it's like, this is how I want to live my life?
1: This is not how I want to live my life. This is how I feel that I have to live my life at the moment to keep myself safe. My life would be a lot easier if other people also took those kinds of precautions. But I think Having seen what's happened in Australia, you know, people live through the lockdowns, people lived through the mandates. We saw what happened, particularly in Melbourne, with that really prolonged lockdown. It wasn't really good for people. I'm, I'm not looking to make other people change what they do. Um, but if you are coughing and you were sneezing, it would be great if you stayed home or you wore a mask, particularly if you were on a bus or a train or a tram, where we're packed into the same tight metal cube, breathing the same air.
0: That's one I 100% agree with you on and I think is something that should stick around as we continue to move further and further away from the pandemic in terms of if you're sick, stay home. Even if it's just a cold, Mm. no one wants to get a cold. No one wants to deal with your sneezing and, and your spluttering. Stay home if you're sick. I think that's a really important message and we really appreciate your time on the briefing today.
1: Cool. Thanks for having me.
0: That was my chat with Jonathan Papadopoulos, a young man who is still choosing to live COVID cautiously as we begin to experience an eighth wave of the virus in Australia. That's all for today's extra episode of The Briefing. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Thank you for listening. Have a fabulous weekend.